Let's do the five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Nintendo Week, everyone. I am your host, Colin McIsaac. This week, I'm joined by Alex Plants. Feeling very classic, Colin. And Ben Lamoureux. I have returned from the great beyond. Once again, the gang is back together to discuss the two greatest topics in the world this year. Listen, we've got some debate about Donkey Kong. I'm sure (laughs) Mother deserves its own. But today, we're talking about Zelda and Metroid, the stars of E3 2021. We got a lot of lore to discuss um, with our old friends. I don't know if you can hear like an airplane or something. I'm going to close this window (laughs) while opening yours to discussion. Hey, that's a nice transition. Oh my god, thanks. (laughs) More professionals here. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, Zelda and Metroid, two of the biggest franchises. Personally, my two favorite Nintendo franchises and maybe just any game in general. So, uh, and we, we were we were treated, I think, with uh, some delicious trailers. Metroid Dread. I mean, we, we've we talked about this on the show before. Um, it's it, really everything just ends up coming true, huh? Yeah, yeah, we've got the power. <laughs> we got the gang back together and oh, wow. Uh, I've recently been learning that um, the universe is a consciousness that uh, creates and begets itself. So it really does make sense at the end of the day, but the robot is disgusting. My consciousness would never. <laughs> I'm not the, the scared Emmy of it, robots? honestly. Yeah, I'm not scared of that thing. They were like, this is ultimate dread. And I was like, it looks like a uh, like lame friend from Wally, like that you don't want <laughs> to have in the movie. It, it definitely has a bit of a portal <laughs> vibe. Um, yeah. But what, what I think works with it is the way fusion ended. Um, it's actually kind of like the, the last dialogue in Fusion is Samus concerned that she's going to be held accountable by the Galactic Federation, that they're going to drag her in, you know, throw her into jail for disobeying their orders. And oh. uh, Adam Adam gives her this speech about how someone out there must understand them and like the, the soul of humanity will persevere and search for the truth. And then, you know, Metroid Dread fires up, and what do we see? Like, there's no human souls to reason with. Samus is being hunted down by just cold, relentless machines. Who Federation yeah, look, robots. Look like they could be from Wally. Yeah, and they're, they're owned by the Federation, <laughs> too. Yep. Um, take us into your theory article, because we plugged this on the show last week. Some of our listeners may have gone and read this. Um, oh, I've cool. read it. Thank I, you. I, think alex has yeah no absolutely it was awesome and exciting and i mean there's no way that you're wrong like it just straight up (laughs) they talk about it in (laughs) samus returns and it's just is so cool um i mean it's spoilers so we haven't like addressed it fully but do you want to just give sort of a rundown on like what you figured out about where metroid dread takes place what's going on and maybe what we have yet to see outside of the treehouse in the trailer yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, like I said, there's a lot of conflict set up between Samus and the Federation, and I think we'll see that um, to some extent in Dread. But there's another plotline going on that I'm even way more interested in, which is the the Chozo, you know, like the alien bird creatures that raised Samus. Um, mm. In every other game that we've seen them, they've basically been extinct in the Prime games, like we find some ghosts of them, but otherwise it's just like lore tablets, basically. Um, but Mercury Steam, the team that's making Metroid Dread, they did a remake of uh, Metroid 2 a few years back, 
and they included some extra uh they're called chozo memories and they're just kind of little screenshots showing the history of the chozo on planet sr388 which is you know where samus returns takes place and basically you know like you said spoilers but they reveal that the chozo on that planet um you know they discovered the x parasite and so they created the metroids to sort of counteract them um, but then the Metroids evolved out of their control and, you know, went crazy. And so long story short, they had to abandon the planet and take off. But if you collect all the memories, you get this secret uh, unlockable memory where you see that, like, they call for help. But the Chozo faction that arrives, instead of rescuing them, just wipes them out, completely murders them. Oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Like, this is, you know, not something we've really seen the Metroid lore deal with before. Like, I mean... The Chozo have always been described as this totally peaceful race, yet we keep finding civilizations of theirs all over the galaxy. Like, they've clearly conquered tons of planets in their past. And uh, Samus Returns seems to imply that there's at least one faction out there that's still murderous in some way. And so I think that's what we're, to some extent, going to be dealing with in uh, Metroid Dread, because obviously this planet that we've seen so far, ZDR, uh, in the treehouse footage and everything, it's covered in Chozo statues. And in the trailer, there's actually a brief moment where you can pause it, and there appears to be a living Chozo. So, you know, it could just be a flashback, but I think that, you know, we, we are on a planet that has at least one living Chozo, possibly several, and that, you know, they may be luring Samus in because she has connections to the X-Parasites and the Metroids and everything else. Her DNA is just like a cocktail of, uh, of alien uh, DNA. She is kind of like a secret test weapon. Almost. Yeah, like they've much. been cultivating her for something like bigger. I yeah, feel like it's maybe this, what's there's... going on is this is their f- ultimate trap. And that's the end of the story that they've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's possible. He also said like uh, Sakamoto, the producer, said like he wants to wrap up the story of the actual Metroids themselves, but then uh, take the story in a new direction with this game. So that could be further exploring the Chozo or it could be Galactic Federation stuff. Or both. You know, like I said, you know, they've, they've mm-hmm. kind of set up both plot lines, and we might get a little bit of both in Dread. What you I know find that, um, fascinating oh, about how the, the, this game seems to be sort of focusing on the Chozo a little bit more again is we see these, these robots or these, these stations throughout this world that look a lot like Mother Brain or Mother mm-hmm. Brain modules from the comic books. Uh, and... I mean, I feel like that's significant partially because, you know, Mother Brain uh, was a topic of focus in Other M, where we had the uh, Madeline Bergman character and MB. I forget which one was the the real person and which one was the robot. Uh, I think but, Melissa was Mother Brain, and then okay. Madeline was her handler, I think. But, but the Galactic Federation was trying to recreate Mother Brain. Uh, we learn in the the backstory of, of Mother Brain in the comics that like Mother Brain was originally like a protector figure on on Planet Zebes. Uh, she actually like created the power suit, but at some point decided that uh, that role was not the one that she should take, and she should instead sort of like take over the planet. We're not entirely. I'm not. I don't know if we were entirely sure of what her end game was. Mother Brain's end game was. But uh, it it stands to reason that perhaps these uh, these treasonous Chozo maybe are mother brain uh, sympathizers, since mm. they're now we now see more Chozo appearing in a game that's a you know ostensibly somewhat a sequel to Samus Returns, where we see that evil Chozo faction, and now we're seeing these mother brain like uh, robot 
things. Yeah, Do you definitely. Think and I, I even noticed the you. Uh... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go on. I was going to say, do you think there's any degree to which they're trying to, like, scrub Other M and rewrite that story of the Federation trying to recreate Mother Brain into this I game? I don't know that, that they're, they're like... scrubbing it necessarily. Like, they do seem to not be, like, acknowledging it very strongly. Um, In, but like, at the they same almost time... seem to be, like, reminding us to forget. Maybe. I mean, it. it's interesting that they uh, brought so much of, like, stuff that happened before uh like before other m into other m like it wasn't just a prequel to fusion it was also sort of like tying fusion to a bunch of games that came before with the the whole mother brain thing with that and that was not an element that appeared in fusion uh so the fact that they're carrying that stuff forward again me i don't know that doesn't necessarily tell me that they're scrubbing other m away it just kind of tells me that they're carrying ideas forward that don't necessarily depend on other m I would say that they have uh, they've taken the criticisms of other M to heart, and so it's like they don't want to focus on it in the marketing, but it's not non-canon or anything. And it's you know, there's there's a similar kind of situation with Prime, um, where it's like those games are canon too, but you know Sakamoto had relatively little to do with them, and so when he makes his 2D games, he doesn't really draw from them that much. But every now right. and then you'll see something like Samus Returns. Uh, kind of has Ridley appear at the end in a form that sets him up for his, uh, or the, that that ties into his forms in the Prime games. So every now and then you'll get a little nod like that. But generally speaking, uh, Sakamoto likes to kind of keep the 2D games as their own thing, basically. Yeah. Uh, and on your point about uh, Mother Brain too, Alex, uh, you can get some kind of. Uh, I don't remember what exactly it's called. It's some kind of powerful beam you get from the central unit, and they showed in the treehouse footage Samus taking down an Emmy with it. And so that reminded yeah. me of uh, Hyper Beam and how you get Hyper Beam from Mother Brain at the end. So I'm not sure if we'll actually see Mother Brain in this game or if we'll just see these, you know, sort of Mother Brain knockoff central units. But at the moment, my guess is that each one of the sort of like major divisions of the planet will be controlled by one of these central units, and then maybe they'll get progressively. Uh, more difficult to take down as we go on through the game because like the first one we saw in the treehouse footage doesn't seem to have any kind of defenses whatsoever mm-hmm. but there was also one briefly shown in uh in one of the other trailers uh that had uh rinkas shooting out of the wall and a single turret as well so you know maybe uh, as we progress they'll start looking more and more like the classic mother brain setup yeah i mean it's tough to imagine that if this this is the conclusion to the 2d metroid stories we've been playing so far that they wouldn't have some kind of like overarching villain that they can call back to you and mm-hmm. Mother Brain's the obvious choice. Um, you know, I don't think they could introduce a new villain in this game and have that be a satisfying conclusion to this story. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I agree with that. If it was some sort of, like, evil Chozo at the end that you, you know, I mean, maybe that's sort of... It would make a lot more sense if it, evil Chozo... fighting Mother Brain would be a lot more just, like, conclusive and... and it, yeah, it would just yeah. it would it would close the series in a lot more of a I mean, satisfying way. It can't way. be can't be Ridley again, you know. Uh, evil. Chozo. I mean, it could, but I, I mean that's it, every it game already. You're, you're you're not wrong, I guess. Uh, but like, yeah, you're right. Like, it couldn't just be the evil Chozo that didn't have enough of a runway. Maybe if evil Chozo were a thing in more games than just. But maybe you know, that's the next part of the story, like that mm-hmm. they are setting up, and that I mean, they said we'll know what's going to happen next by the end of this game. And so maybe that is it. Conclusively, in this arc, we're fighting Mother Brain, solving the Metroid storyline, and then we're going to go take on the evil Chozo in the next sort of phase of Samus's journey. 
Yeah, and I'm also kind of curious, you know, with these two possibly hostile factions for Samus, the Federation, and this Chozo faction, um, like, are, are they going to get along, or is it possible that they're already fighting? Did the Federation send the Emmy bots in to uh, wipe out these last Chozo? Like, there's, oh. there's definitely still a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, yeah. Samus is... Uh... Not part Chozo, right? Genetically, just like oh, she is. Yeah, they they t- put okay. Chozo DNA in her so that she could survive on Zebus when she was a child. So yeah, she's okay, she's a bird yeah. person. <laughs> so I mean, maybe they detect Chozo DNA in her and hunt her down for that reason. That's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. Or they're detecting her oh. Metroid DNA. One or the other. Yeah, I mean, or the ex parasite. I mean, there's really. I mean, <laughs> again, she's a cocktail. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun at parties, though. um so barring any sort of the obvious that we've seen implied like the evil chozo and the a fight with the federation as the next step in samus's story arc what kind of thing would you want to see ben like what do you actually like want to get out of a next chapter in the metroid cycle um you know, it's hard to say, just because, like, when it comes to the story, uh, you know, those are the main things that we've explored so far. So, like, if they're going to do something else, I think it would have to be totally fresh. And I'm not too picky about that. Uh, you know, it's more about nailing the gameplay with Metroid, but if you can have the engrossing story mm-hmm. on top of it as well, then heck yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, if we're if we're not talking about uh, further exploring the Chozo or the Federation, and I'm sure Prime 4 is, looks like it's going to wrap up some of the, like, Bounty Hunter stuff with Silux and all that. Um, yeah, just send send Samus to a, a totally new planet, have her just be, you know, a Bounty Hunter on her own, not taking, uh, you know, direct orders from, from any mm-hmm. big organization. Um, I, I don't so know what you would introduce it, for maybe a final villain. If you villain, think of but... it in terms of satisfying gameplay, like, what kind of... Um, maybe step one like what kind of gameplay revolution that would you like to see Nintendo loves to contextualize new gameplay experiences with like through their storylines so maybe it could come from there do you want like um... yeah I, I mean I don't even know if I would need a revolution really to the formula maybe maybe back to basics more but just like super is beloved for how open it is and how much that really just feels like an alien planet Mm -hmm. and every other game since then has has kind of had to have some asterisks on that you know like zero mission and fusion are a little more linear um so it would be nice to just kind of have a game with the the openness and the true alien planet feeling of super metroid but just completely fresh you know new enemies new location and then you know i don't know what storyline would go with that um Maybe Samus is trying to get as far away from the Federation and the Chozo so, as she can. Here's an idea. Um, what if it was a roguelike where Metroid is typically like about a five hour game ish, give or take a little bit if you want to speed run it really fast or take more time to explore. But, you know, what if they used that completion time to their advantage so that you could basically have a new experience every time and play it again and again and again. I'd like to have like like that. Do you think a randomizer mode? Maybe have the the handcrafted main story, and then you can replay it again if you want with random map assortments on. That's a fun idea. Uh, Yeah, they did that with Axiom Verge on PC. Uh, A lot of people really into randomizers these days, actually. But what I like about that is you like you get that handcrafted design that you expect from a game like a Metroid game, but you also get that sort of endless replayability that you get from a roguelike. But you don't have to sort of pick one or the other. They're both there for you. 
Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Nothing kills my hype for a Metroidvania more than hearing it's a roguelike. Like that's <laughs> honestly, it's it's a no buy for me most of the time. But you did know, you like, play uh, Spelunky or uh, Steam World or? I haven't really I, played I, a lot of them, but I, I feel like it would translate like well enough based on what I I know. Maybe I downloaded it sounds Spelunky on sale for like a dollar, but I haven't gotten into it. So. <laughs> Um, but, you know, just like Lex said, like a randomizer mode kind of gives you the best of both worlds, and that's what Axiom Verge did. So I'd be open to that. But if nice. if, it's, if it doesn't have that, you know, that, that handcrafted campaign, that would be a big loss to me for a Metro For sure. Um, Man, but it sounds like Lex it's took like way back. tested in Axiom Verge, so that's good. <laughs> Sorry, Alex, what was that? I just, Ben called me Lex, and it just took me way back to a time when I tried to go by nicknames on the internet (laughs) (laughs) um well nice maybe that brings us beautifully to the legend of zelda uh (laughs) those of you know alex's twitter handle from all these many years the legend of zelda breath of the wild sequel is coming out in 2022 they are hoping and we've seen a lot of potential callbacks to other games um we don't know exactly how this is going to tie into the whole picture ben um and we've got our ideas that we already like went into a very deep rabbit hole about last week okay so i want to get your fresh unfiltered un uh clouded take by that as to where this is in the timeline of breath of the wilds sort of anthology trilogy whatever you want to characterize it as mm-hmm. as well yeah, like as the span of zelda as a whole well i can't give you an unclouded take because i want to talk about clouds let's talk about clouds <laughs> <laughs> well done why is it that you can't see any of these sky islands from the surface but you can see the surface from the sky islands you know the um, sky barrier from um skyward sword hasn't been broken is my take and you can see mm-hmm. the dragons in breath of the wild break through it mm-hmm. in breath of the wild i mean i yeah so that. i mean i think there there there's a very legitimate point to be made that perhaps the reason why we don't see it when you're on the ground is because the parts that we've seen on the ground actually take place before the islands appear um i don't know how oh. that would work out like logistically but i think it's a possibility yeah yeah, I mean, there's, it's there's a lot like of questions sort of about the stone point, you know. And there's a lot of questions about the chronology thing. of the trailer, so it's it's hard yeah. to say. But I will say, like in in Skyloft, in, in Skyward Sword, it did work. Where if you're on the surface world, you look up, you don't actually see the sky barrier; you just see a blue sky. Yep. Uh, but if you're up in Skyloft and you look down, you see a sea of clouds, and that's not what we're seeing so far in Breath of the Wild too. Um, but, you know, I, I do agree with your point about how the dragons, they disappear into, uh, you know, a sort of portal of clouds. And I've seen it pointed out that in these these floating sky islands, there's these sort of, they kind of look like Shinto gates. And, you know, a lot of people have kind of theorized that maybe these this marks like the entrance to like a temple area or some kind of purification mm. site. But they also, they kind of look like a, like a serpentine or dragon-like fangs and teeth coming out of it. And so I think we are seeing sort of this this realm of the dragons, um, you know, that the dragons yeah. disappear to. And I think it might be the sacred realm, just based on the fact that, you know, everything appears so golden. And like I said, there's these sort of like Shinto-esque shrines that seem to be marking some kind of, you know, purification or holiness. Uh-huh. And, um, it, well, I mean, the, the images we've seen look pretty strikingly similar to how 
the sacred realm is depicted in a link to the past and a link between worlds where it's just floating islands with uh with with buildings on top of them and it's sort of open floor plan buildings where they have a roof and pillars but no the actual property walls. brothers would love it <laughs> yeah so uh you know i'm not willing to uh you know stake uh my my lack of a fortune on it but you know I, i'm kind of liking the idea that this is the sacred realm and maybe the reason that link is like going you know up there you know through these dragon portals or whatever uh, it might have to do with the the opening shot where the malice kind of swarms his arm and he drops the master sword and you know throughout the whole rest of the trailer his arm kind of looks blackened or maybe deformed um and you know so, well you know some of that's clearly the weird green arm thing like latching onto him and giving mm -hmm. superpowers but i also think that we might be seeing a link who has become partially corrupted by malice and maybe has to go to whatever this dragon realm is, maybe the sacred realm, to purify himself in some way, which is why he's not wielding the master sword throughout the trailers. Okay, okay, very exciting. I love this this <laughs> this place that we are. We're following uh, these uh, threads. Yeah, until about a minute ago, and, and in fact, even then, it's still like a segue to. But we were like exactly. I was gonna ask if Alex prepped you for this. Because no. <laughs> we are totally on board. It's the sacred realm. It's the dragons. It's the mm -hmm. Zonai people with all these dragon like sculpture imagery and like the barbarian mm -hmm. helmets and stuff. It has something to do with them. Who they've got to be probably. I mean, who knows where they start or end in the timeline? But basically, where we then leapt from there was that potentially. This figure with the corrupted arm, the link that's corrupted by malice, mm -hmm. is the hero of power. And I mean, okay, I think you're inserting words fighting. that we didn't say last time, but yeah. Well, that like was my it, interpretation a, of it. So maybe we were, Alex we were is looking at, a different at point. the 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 tapestry from Breath of the Wild and thinking, hmm, when Link lets his hair down. He looks an awful lot like that guy, and that guy's wearing a shroud. That's an awful lot. Yeah, like the, the thing Link's the green cloak the and the yellowish hand. And, yeah. yeah. Well, also the the corpse from the trailer is clearly wearing like a just a, a rotted ancient version of the cloak. Uh, it's the exact same shape and form of the hero whose face we never see, whose hair is down, and who's corrupted by malice. So my theory is sort of that ultimate. Uh, sounds like Alex may be on a different page, but kind of that by through this story he gets corrupted by malice and becomes ganondorf uh he like comes from or like the a Gerudo area he's the original hero like the prince the king who saves them but then the hero who, that hero who keeps getting reborn through time has been corrupted by the malice of demise and so we're seeing now the origin of ganondorf like skyward sword was the origin of link zelda and the master sword Okay, so by origin of Ganondorf, would you mean like uh, this would be like way back in time travel kind of thing? Yeah, I, I don't really know how I that's going to work. It, if I you look at the grand <laughs> scheme of the timeline, I wonder if this is sort of like the the touch point between the Ganondorf that we saw in Ocarina of Time and then the Ganondorf that get, keeps getting reborn over and over again in the rest of these that's, games over uh, this 10,000 year history. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's sort of, it. it is the beginning of that ganondorf like it, in the way that skyward sword is the origin story to all of this i think that breath of the wild may not take place at the end of the entire timeline as we maybe thought it did so much as it does the beginning of the entire timeline and 
whatever conclusion to this Breath of the Wild story there is, is kind of like the way that all of the rest of New Hyrule uh, comes out of it, potentially. I, th- I'm thinking this out, you know, out loud as it's coming. Um, this is big brain time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, seems, it definitely seems to be depicting the ancient, the sacred realm. The question, I think, is mm-hmm. as to whether it begins the whole branching Zelda story or closes it off conclusively. I mean, I feel like See, we, I, know, we know the branching story begins with Ocarina of Time, and we know Ocarina of Time is in the history of the Breath of the Wild timeline. So, I mean, do we? I don't know that it's the beginning of the branching timeline, but it may have tendrils that reach out into some of these branches. Yeah, Zelda gives a speech when she, like, bestows the Master Sword to Link, and she kind of, like, talks about the history of the Master Sword, and she's clearly describing okay. Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess, in that order. Oh, that's Which I mean, is, not only I, that, I there are, like, literal one. references to the history of Ocarina of Time, where, like, Princess Rudo has a reference mm-hmm. in, in Sora's Domain. Uh, they talk about Ganondorf that's coming right. from the Gerudo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's definitely, and, and like... And being named after Nabooru. Uh, so, like, the in terms of the history, like, Ocarina of Time is known history in this world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I uh, you know, I'm I'm still open to the idea that there's going to be some crazy time travel stuff where, you know, Link and Organon go back and set things in motion, but I so far I'm not convinced of time travel in this game beyond the 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 mechanic where he like sends the giant uh, metal yeah. mace, yeah, the spiky ball up a hill like yeah, that's, you know, that's clearly some kind of mechanic. And what I'm interested in there is there's no Sheikah slate to be seen. Instead, his hand goes golden. Uh, glows golden. Wow, that's hard to say. Um, yeah. I- I'm wondering, like, if maybe there's going to be a Triforce Shard collection mission, mission like there is in Wind Waker, and maybe oh. you'll unlock new powers for your arm as you collect Triforce Shards. I mean, it- it's entirely possible that that green hand that we see in the beginning is just Triforce power and Link, you know, takes hold of it in the very beginning. We don't have to go collect it. We actually use the Triforce throughout the entire game. Yeah, that's possible as well. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there's no reason to necessarily believe that the green hand that reaches and does all this stuff is an evil force. It could be a sealing force of the malice. Oh, yeah, I think it's a good so force, personally. Cor- oh, okay, so in corrupting uh, Link's hand, I mean, maybe that is the green glowing throughout his arm is the power of courage. Yeah, so the way I interpret the, you know, the scene underground with Ganon and everything is that... Uh, the green hand is sealing Ganon, and I think this might be a case where it's like uh, some kind of ancient hero caught on to the whole reincarnation cycle and realized, you know, if I kill Ganon, he's just going to be back in another generation or whatever. And so instead used magic to just hold him underground, nearly dead, and so that he couldn't reincarnate. And so, you know, what does Ganon do instead? Slowly leaks out malice, and that's how this thing known as the Calamity keeps happening every 10,000 years. Oh. When enough malice builds up, that it can, you know, sort of take on a conscious form. So I think that what we're seeing is some sort of ancient hero who gave up his life to seal Ganondorf away, you know, hopefully forever, but presumably over time the magic is slowly wearing down until all that's left is, like, this hand. And then when Link gets corrupted by Malice, the hand has to let go of Ganon to save Link and sort of maybe merge with his hand to stop the the, the Malice from, like, Mm. fully corrupting him. I think that's yeah. a much better interpretation. I think it's significant, too, that the green hand is sort of coming down from the ceiling, and you've got the malice sort of flowing out on on, on the earth below. Uh, it sort of mm-hmm. reminds me of 
the duality that we sort of see in this trailer between the hellish landscape below where where, where Ganondorf is sealed and the heavens above where uh, mm. where we travel through the game. And we even, it seems like Link uses a power that may be connected to the green hand to get up there. He sort of phases through the, the oh, sky yeah. island using yeah. with this like bathe in like this green light. And so I like I wonder if that's sort of a hint at one of the themes in this game, which is sort of this duality between these, the the heavenly world and the hell world below. Speaking of the oh hell world, oh my god, this is the third Oracle game. Yeah, if only. Uh, I'm still holding out hope that we get Link's <laughs> Awakening style remakes of those. But what um, if what if yes. what if we did get the third Oracle game and it was like a master version of both of those in one? They ultimately yeah, that just would be ended awesome. up making it the green version, <laughs> like flesh out the the connection between them into a third game yeah i'd be down so speaking of the hellish world though um do we think that zelda's really just like you know gone until late game when we find some way to save her or do we think like are we gonna see what she's up to down there in uh, you know <laughs> alice in wonderland do we get playable <laughs> zelda segments maybe look yeah, i so don't I'm know a, that a little curious what the interplay is gonna be between that hell land and the actual game because it's like you see hyrule castle rise up you see malice you know erupt out from underneath it you might surmise that like the final boss is probably going back down to where the malice is coming from and defeating ganon or something like that so is is are we going to see link not, not just travel to the skies but actually travel down underground multiple times throughout this game till maybe the the replacement for the shrines is you have you know, places up in the sky, sacred places in the sky, and hell places down below. Or are we going to see something where Zelda is trapped in that, that hellscape world, and she's sort of try, having to survive, having to try to escape, and that's, you know, excuse to either follow her story or play as her. I'm not really sure, but I think either of those two things is possible. I feel like I want them to be true, but I just, like, we've, we, you know, we all have known Nintendo for so long, and I feel like it's just not happening. It's it, just it's, another Link It just game. seems way too much like If anything, then you have Link of the Present and the ancient Link who sealed Ganon in a way, and, like, we're going to get two Links in no Zelda. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, I mean, Well, we've already gotten four Links in no playable Zelda in a game before, so can't put it past them. I definitely <laughs> The only playable she... Zelda has been dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely hope that they give her some kind of role because it's like uh, Breath of the Wild clearly showed that she has tremendous powers. Where you know she's able mm-hmm. to at the end there, she uh, the Triforce symbol sort of activates, and I don't know if that's meant to show that she has the entire Triforce or just her shard or just uh, you know some kind of power from it. But you know she she like freezes the entire calamity in place and is able to you know blast it with her Triforce blast. So it's like. She should have no problem taking on the goblins, you know. So, uh, you know, well, I, mean, I we really see that hope... in Age of Calamity. She like tears through everything. Yeah, that's true. I I don't really play Hyrule Warriors games, but I will take your word for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, she's she's definitely she can fend for herself. So there's not really any good reason to sideline her, other than just you know they can't come up with a creative enough thing to do with her. I guess. <laughs> Part of me really wants it to like. I mean, we've seen enough now that, like, clearly that's not what's happening. But I really want it to, like, be some kind of magnum opus twist where, like, at the end of the day, Zelda is, the like, the hero somehow. Um, and maybe that's the third game in the Breath of the Wild trilogy. But um, <laughs> it just, it seems to me like 
like they they know that everyone wants a playable Zelda at this point, and they like how could they not do it in a way that delivers on like the initial message, right? I th- I think Nintendo's very stuck in its archetypes for these these characters, where yeah. you've got the the quintessential like hero who has this hero's journey story. Zelda as a character doesn't usually start in a place where she would have a hero's journey arc in the same way that, you know, Link would. Uh, Zelda usually has uh, an established role in this world. She's not like a newcomer to what's happening. Right. She's like the the guiding force, I guess, in a way for for getting Link to be, you know, get where he needs to go. Beat the the girl, voice of like reason it. or wisdom, maybe. Yeah. And they're, I don't think they intended to ever deviate from that. Like, that's why they, they have, yeah. the, that's why the Triforce is such a strong symbol is because it actually represents the archetypes of the characters in the game. No, I do agree with you. But I'm like, to just take an example of like, what I mean, where not necessarily like she has a hero's journey, but like, within the context of, for example, Breath of the Wild, like, I think they could easily uh just craft a story where they're tying the whole universe together in a way let's follow the thread that like this is the story of the hero of power who was corrupted by malice and became ganondorf so that's why demise was able to be reborn through the ages as a you know undying villain um and then this story is going to follow the wielders of power and courage back in time uh for like this final battle where you know zelda has to save them you know ultimately purifying the whole land ending the whole story like doesn't even necessarily have to have a playable zelda i think to fulfill like the narrative promise of like that the series is called the legend of zelda she just has to not be a damsel in distress (laughs) right right like that would be enough uh, for for what you're saying, right? Like, because it's not the legend of Link for a reason, right? So, like, if in yeah. the end of the day she saves the whole thing, like, it doesn't matter. Right, if you play it, it, it the doesn't whole have time. to be a grand adventure that she's not like the embodiment of courage. But if you can demonstrate right. in some way that her wisdom has, you know, kept everyone safe. But and you know, I guess Skyward Sword sort of tried to do that by showing how she was, you know, the the goddess Hylia who gave up her immortality in order to, you know, protect humanity. And, you know, she foresaw, you know, all these threats with malice and everything. And she created Skyloft and, and all that. Um, but, you know, it's, we're not, we're not satisfied. More Zelda. Yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> it, it sort of sucks in a way because the premise of the story, as far as we've seen it, is Link gets maimed by some kind of evil power. And that's like the perfect example to have him be the one who needs to be saved and Zelda to be the hero. Mm, yeah, uh, and then you know if that's also a very like second part of a trilogy thing to do so if they wanted to have the first game be about link being the hero second game being about zelda being the hero then third game they are both Tingle. like at full strength team up begin and once and for all like that would be a good structure mm-hmm. and i don't think they set themselves up to make zelda a, a more prominent hero in the third game at this point like i don't think that yeah we can tell it's link at this point is at least the yeah. primary hero here i mean i think it is possible we play zelda underground or something like that but i just really i feel it in my bones it she's trapped in the castle that's it it was yeah. big fisher in the castle because the castle's floating in the sky <laughs> that's all it is she's trapped again 
So I will say on the topic of your whole like you know link corrupted into a Ganondorf uh, theory, um, in some of the concept art for unused ideas in Breath of the Wild, they showed off Link having this magical green arm that could do various different things, and of course you know that's come to fruition now. And in some of those concept art shots, Link's face is like obscured with a mask or like a hood or deformed in some way, and Ooh. we do we do see. Uh, uh, sort of like jagged lines coming out of Link's corrupted arm that look very similar to Zelda in Twilight Princess when she is possessed by Ganon. And so there is, you know, some Ooh. theory that maybe the reason we haven't seen much of Link's face in the trailer is because, you know, the corruption is going to slowly spread more throughout his body. I'm not sure if I buy it, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't have the you, reference you, images on hand, but that is interesting. You alluded to this earlier, Ben, but uh, it could be that he's becoming a demon, and that is why he suddenly is depowered from being able to use the Master Sword and being at his full strength. So, yeah, yeah right. I like I like the idea that that might be where it's going. But also, the story in this one doesn't necessarily have to be then that he becomes Ganon. It could easily just be that he saves himself and doesn't become a demon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're clearly aligning his story more with the, the history of Ganon as, like, a being, a person, and not just as this, like net force of nature uh right he's taken on a more human form than he did last time uh so yeah clearly they're gonna play into what happened to this person to this ganon that was sealed in some way i'm fascinated i cannot wait so we think it's at the very very end of the series yeah, I mean, that's everything that uh, Onuma has said thus far, basically, is like, you know, whenever people have asked him about the timeline placement, he's like, oh, it's at the end. Well, of, okay. of which timeline? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 one of those it doesn't really matter situations to me. Like, yeah, yeah. probably it's, it's not kind the of a... timeline of Wind Waker because they're in a completely different space, physical space after Wind Waker. But. Yeah, it, but didn't they have like ruins reboot. named like Choo Choo Island and Big Train Man or something? Yeah, they've, I I mean, they've even like got places named after Termina on the Breath of the Wild map. Yeah. Like at some <laughs> yeah, point you have island. to like draw a line between what's just an homage and what's actually yeah. meant to be the same place. <laughs> they just know? had a lot of places to name, okay? I mean, they, they had Mabe Village, which if you've played Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, like Mabe Village, they structured in that game in Age of Calamity to look like Mabe Village from Link's Awakening. So they're just, oh, they're maybe. Cool, just mashing stuff up at this point. Yeah. Uh, a couple other minor details from the trailer. Um, you know, there's that scene where we see uh, a bunch of bokoblins like on a you know an encampment like a you know a wooden platform or whatever and it's on top of a uh with a stone talus is that what they're called yeah, big yeah. black monsters so that's pretty cool that we're gonna see you know bad guys living on top of bad guys but more <laughs> importantly in the background of that shot you can see a couple things one is that oh. death mountain is not actively erupting yep. um so i'm hoping that means we get to go inside of it and there's caves and dungeons and stuff uh, and then the other thing is there's no Deku tree in the background, and there should be. Like, it, it should be oh. visible from that spot on Hyrule Field. Hmm. But wouldn't that be just the uh, forest? You think well, the you whole, see, like, the whole forest the is gone? Of, you can see the crown of the Deku tree. Uh, yeah, you can see, like, the, the cherry the blossoms coming off over the horizon. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't notice oh. that detail. It, it seems to me that probably... You know, we saw Hyrule Castle rise up. I would imagine that a lot of key places around the world are affected in a similar way. Mm -hmm. So that would explain why the Deku Tree is 
gone or death, oh like yeah maybe the decker tree was lifted into quiet. the air and so we only see its blossoms yeah falling i mean down. maybe um, an alternate depressing theory that i saw i don't remember which zelda tuber it was or i'd you know give him credit but it was a good video whoever it was the decker tree moved to wisconsin that... didn't he <laughs> yeah they uh they suggested that this could tie into you know the whole idea of link not having the master sword anymore is that you know in breath of the wild the master sword uh you know it's it's right next to the deku tree and we're told that like the deku tree's power actually like purifies it and you know you go through the trials to speed that process along and everything but so you know if if ganon is trying to corrupt link and separate him from the master sword in the sequel it would make sense to kill the deku tree yeah choke off his ways no. of getting his power back yeah i mean that could explain why he has to go to the sky right because the sky is highly as realm mm -hmm. uh one possibility we, well, we, we've talked a few times about how we think the the sky realm might be the sacred realm but it's sort of unclear what the nature of the sacred realm is what it, what its origins are how it came to be in the first place we know yeah. it was the resting place of the high the triforce which we also know was true of skyloft so it could be that uh what we think of as the sacred realm is just kind of like the sealed remnants of that world in the sky uh yeah, and so it's like actually a physical place that exists in the world but it's only accessible through until now through certain magical means i mean maybe it was easy to seal because it was already in that cloud barrier <laughs> like no one could get they didn't even have to do anything well it, it, but it, I, it, it, yeah. yeah they are using clouds to obscure a lot of things in the trailer as well so it could just be that they, the the uh, sky world is conveniently hidden in some fashion uh when we play through breath of the wild so i'm also remind me i i hope someone else know remembers better than i do in skyward sword you plant the original deku tree from the temple of time right or i don't know that it's necessarily the deku tree it's just I mean, a tree the, the a place fruit. location seems like it could work I'm wondering like, also how the dragons in that game tie into it. Because, I mean, there are dragons in Skyward Sword. Maybe they are up there. That is the Sacred Realm. I, I don't remember so there, all this very well. There is a, a, a line in Breath of the Wild that says the, the Zonai tribe who settled in the Farron Woods worshipped a water dragon. And in Skyward Sword, the guardian of the Farron Woods is the water dragon. So, I mean, that's a long time in Zelda time between Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. Uh, but also, we don't really know when the Zonai existed, so maybe not that much time. Uh, but but then, it seems like... Know, also, what we yeah, see with ahead, the like, dragon spirits is they kind of they kind of seem to you know reincarnate in some form, where it's like you have Jabu Jabu, and then later you have Jaboon. So it's like, yeah. even if it's not the same exact physical entity, it could still be the same spirit. Hmm. Yeah, and they they manifest in different ways depending on the, how they have approached the setting in their particular game. Uh, so you've got light spirits, you know, in Twilight Princess, where the theme is, you know, pushing back this dark realm with light. You've got dragons in Skyward Sword, where it's sort of like this melting pot origin story for like how Hyrule came to be. It's like an ancient world, so it makes sense to be an ancient world of dragons. Uh, yeah. That that's what dictates yeah. what form these gods take. Ben, what do you think of any of the uh, conjecture around Skyward Sword being specifically chosen to remind us of basically everything going on in that game, specifically for the purpose of uh, tying into Breath of the Wild's sequel? Do you think that we'll see these weird silly robots again, or any of the mole people underground, or um, do you think that 
uh, Breath of the Wild sequel is supposed to tie up this series in the way that Metroid Dread is supposed to tie up the series arc, at least. Um, what's sort of your take on any of that? Um, yeah, so I I mean, I think, you know, the biggest reason they're remaking Skyward Sword is uh, because every old Nintendo game that gets ported to Switch sells a bajillion copies, and it's also the anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, yeah, I think there's going to be some tie-in stuff. Like I said, you know, we've been talking about Skyloft and or the Sacred Realm, and there's it's undeniable that that shot in the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer was supposed to invoke Skyward Sword, you know, and get you thinking about that. Um, but, you know, I don't know how crazy they'll go with the references just because of how far apart these games are in the timeline mm-hmm. and, you know, those robots, we haven't really seen them like in, in any of the other games. But uh, we saw, like, probably a new kind of robot. I don't know if it would be called, a, if it was a robot exactly, but there was kind of a, like a reptilian looking green thing up in the clouds in oh, the Breath yeah. of the Wild 2 trailer. And it had some of that Zonai energy going through it too. Definitely. <laughs> I don't know if that's the proper term for it, but some of that green energy going through it. Well, it um, reminded me of one of those, um, I don't know what they're called, but those like classic enemies that are like the big eye statues and you push on some of them, they open up a dungeon, so push on some of them and they're bad guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know? Yeah. Those, anyway, oh, some sort yeah. of mini boss. Igors. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if it's going to wrap up a story arc or not. It's hard to say just because of, you know, how little we've seen of the yeah. story. It's, you know, clearly, uh, you know, the... the the nature of Ganon and Malice is going to be really important, but whether this will wrap something up or just, you know, leave it open to, you know, give us a better idea of how Ganon's going to function in the future, it could go either way. Because in general, I see Breath of the Wild not as a sort of grand conclusion to the series, but as a soft reboot, um, where, you know, they're, they're, they're basically saying, look, this takes place so far in the future from the other games mm. that it's like, who, who cares what timeline it's on? We get to start fresh, but also we're going to make tons of references to past games because, like, we know oh. these are the things that make Zelda great. You know, we know these are the things that people like. So Breath right. of the Wild seems to me like a way to reboot the series without actually throwing away the canon. Yeah. So I don't know if Breath of the Wild 2 is going to try to go for any kind of inclusive feel, but it, I really hope it gives us a deep dive into game. Yeah. It seems it's, to it... be maybe a link to the past to the breath of the wild that was the great calamity version of the desolate wasteland hyrule original legend of zelda in that way yeah yeah and you know they they built that realm thing going on when they were you know making breath of the wild they sort of built that uh that prototype version of legend of the original zelda where you could like uh you know chop down trees and ride them across the water and stuff like that where they were just messing around with the physics engine because they wanted that experience again of going back to zelda one where there's just a big open world and, you know, no one giving you directions, really. Right. So I see we've transitioned to talking about gameplay, so I'll, I'll <laughs> call out something that else that's been on my mind. So one of the other things they said about part of their inspiration for Breath of the Wild and how they designed it was they, they saw, what if we took, you know, the entire world of Twilight Princess and we made it just a tiny segment of the map or we made something about that size be a tiny segment of the map? And that was sort of one of their guiding principles for how big the world was going to be. Uh we're seeing now that like they're revisiting concepts from skyward sword and that there's a sky world you can actually dive down from the sky world presumably down Mm -hmm. to the surface world but they've uh, overcome a lot of the technical limitations they had back then where those two worlds don't have to be completely partitioned off from each other and don't have to have that interstitial flying piece in between them 
what do you th- what do you hope to see from the gameplay loop around going to the sky and co- going back down to the surface? Hmm, that's a good question that I hadn't put as much thought into. Um, I don't know if like like if loft wings are going to return, for example. It kind of seems like no. Um, just from the fact that you have like the paraglider and everything, we haven't yeah. seen them thus far. Um, yeah, you know, I haven't really thought too much about what the gameplay loop is going to be other than like, you know, maybe these are the, the replacement for the shrines just because we haven't seen any shrines, mm-hmm. uh, down on oh, the surface yeah. world at all. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of like the vertical gameplay, I think, you know, is, is something that they're focusing on a lot. And, you know, they did too in the original breath of the wild where you can climb everything, but it's like now there's floating islands in the sky and you can really get a bird's eye view of everything. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that'll change up uh, a bit like how you enter areas on the overworld. And that was already a big focus. Like I went back and watched the original Breath of the Wild reveal trailer where Aonuma is, you know, in front of like what looks like a painting or whatever Zelda, and then he snaps his fingers and it comes to life. Uh, and he talks about how like the puzzle solving starts as soon as you pick up the controller because you can approach every area from every direction and figure out how you want to get there. Um, and, you know, I think that'll be even more so with this major aerial view we're getting. And so I'm wondering if, you know, that's something that they'll, uh, you know, sort of try to curate by, you know, maybe blocking off main highways with dangerous bad guys at, you know, certain points and like counting on you uh, dropping in from above, you know, from a sky island. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm excited about the, the prospect of things like you described. That was stuff that I really wanted from Skyward Sword when we first heard about the concept of going from the sky to the world below. Uh, I was hoping that we would have a situation where we had like a sky island that's way off in the distance that's over like the forest and you have to sort of navigate your way through the sky island to the dive point that takes you down to the to the forest. So I could see them like mm. taking that kind of approach, uh, like you were saying, to reach certain areas that are either too dangerous to reach from the start or uh, impassable in some way without going to the sky, adding sort of mm-hmm. like another layer. Uh, whereas, but you know, before you just climb mountains, now you have to actually like climb up into the sky. Right. I was going to uh, say. I did say, notice that. Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I see it as almost a solution to the problem that I, at least I found in Breath of the Wild, which was that the idea of climbing mountains to get anywhere in the map was fine enough, but it was boring. There was nothing you do on the mountains <laughs> except climb and wait and yeah. climb, and, and then sometimes you get rained on and have to climb even more, and it just sucks like so much. Like, it's awful. And so this is a way to make the ascension and traversal fun in a way that mountain climbing just simply wasn't. And so... Adding some, uh, to... some caves and cliffs to the sides of the mountain would help, too. Yeah, yeah, that, sure. yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure they'll probably be doing some of here. Um, and so, in any case, just it solves a lot of, uh, pro- like, sequel problems at once. I think it, there's a great chance that it is this game's version of the shrines we've been talking about like how they have these sort of shinto gates that's a very clear like sort of start and end goal point for a a quote-unquote test um and so anything that we've seen of flying through these sky islands could literally just be one of these challenges uh where we the gates are obscured and and they're in the middle of the trial um i would hope that it's almost like a skyloft type overworld that parallels uh, the ground so that you can use this teardrop mechanic to ascend, basically climb a mountain in a more fun way. It's Rivali's Gale just, you know, with this new gameplay context uh, is the way I see it. 
um, and traverse that upper sky world as you wish, basically using the paraglider as a substitute for the sky loft. And at whatever dive points, you can dive back down to the ground as, again, you would in Skyward Sword, um, just breaking through that cloud barrier, not having to go through the whole, like, sailing process. Um, so in a way, like, I would hope that it ties together that sky world concept of Skyward Sword with the open world concept of Breath of the Wild and definitely not the gated world of Skyward Sword into <laughs> yeah. one awesome game. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to think of, like, how they pull off a sky world that is sort of open uh but also like situated directly above and seamlessly connected to a surface world below because like the natural thing that you would think is oh well to get up to the sky you have to climb up to a point that's high enough on the surface that you can reach it but then you see uh, situations like like we see in the trailer where you, you see like gliding up in the sky which seems to imply that like the idea is maybe you travel between the sky islands and if those things yeah, are both true, like, I don't know how balanced is maybe the wrong word, but balanced the exploration is in terms of, like, making it tough to get to places, but also making it possible to move between places easily. I see it as possibly, like, uh, it, if it were the replacement for a shrine, at least in the gameplay loop, uh, that potentially it's, like, a challenge to unlock fast travel points. So you get to what would be a shrine in the overworld and it takes you to this challenge that you begin and you have to get to this like Shinto post end goal. And at that point you unlock again, you know, the sort of the shrine is a fast travel point. But if you dive down to the overworld from where you've gotten to in the sky, it's another fast travel point on the ground. So you are free to explore that space again on the ground or just do it on the ground in the first place. Yeah, I, I really liked the idea that Dark Alex posed on the on the last episode, which is <laughs> that like he was looking at the drop of water that goes in reverse at that point in the trailer right before we yeah. see Link sort of float up, and how it, it may be the, the, the loop to get up to the sky as you look for a medium of some kind that lets you, uh, that you can reverse to sort of carry yourself up into the sky. Right. Whether that's water falling from up above or or, I don't know wind somewhere i mean maybe Speaking you just need wind. a bottle of water <laughs> <laughs> hey bottles have always been one of the most important I mean, yeah i mean the, you only get four at a time but that's worth it in breath of the wild there's no durability for bottles so, anyway so speaking of wind uh another change is that your paraglider has these little streamers coming off of it mm -hmm. now and mm. that was something that again popped up in the concept art for breath of the wild one where it said, like, yeah, you know, we thought about including these streamers that would kind of help you figure out which way the wind was blowing so you could catch currents in the air, uh, but they ultimately, you know, left it out. So it's possible that wind currents are going to be a bigger thing in Breath of the Wild 2, and especially when you're up in the Sky Islands. And so it might be, you know, like, like navigating the currents of the air might be part of the challenge of reaching some of these islands. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there may be pathways mm -hmm. between them on the winds, but you have to sort of find where those pathways are. And it makes Mario Golf more fun, so I'm all in. <laughs> um, what did you guys make of that uh, mounted dragon head that spits fire that he put on his shield? Yeah, that's I cool. Didn't really see that coming. I don't know how, how that's going to work. 
Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if that's just, like, a single item or if there's going to be an ability to, like, upgrade and deck out your shields. Yeah. Um, but, oh. you know, while we're dropping the Z word, there was uh, there's green energy flowing through that dragon head, so it could also be another, you know, a Zonai prop. They love mm-hmm. their dragons. Yeah, yeah. there's a dragon head, too. I mean, I definitely think it's Zonai origin. The idea that it's a shield is interesting. I don't know why I didn't think of that because it's on his left arm. But I could definitely see, like, shields that have weapon functions both for parry and melee. Even, you know, flamethrower combat could be just a really fun way to make the gameplay more interesting. Um, and it could yeah, I mean, be we have a few ways kind of to subtle in that way. Fire. It's just a weapon shield that we, you know, haven't seen before because we've never seen yeah. weapon shields. Yeah. We had a few ways to fight with fire in uh, Breath of the Wild. You had the sword, the, the, the flame weaponry, and you had fire arrows, of course, and then you had the fire rod. But it felt like they could have done more. They could have done more with different magical abilities that, you know, were yeah. summoning fire, summoning ice, summoning lightning, and all that. Uh, yeah, I'm always in favor of more magic in Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the arm powers seem in a lot of ways like just another version of the Sheikah Slate, but I'm hoping they they do more with it and make it more yeah. of a more of a combat thing, less of a puzzle-solving thing. I know you can use the Sheikah Slate in combat as well, but it just didn't always feel as natural. I rescind, I think, by the way, I think it was low resolution. I was thinking that uh, some of the screenshots of Link almost seemed to have him wearing like a glove that looked like a Sheikah glove kind of technology over this arm that would be corrupted um and that was the source of the magic ability uh ben i don't know if you've seen any of this conjecture about how we haven't seen the face of the guy who's up in the sky and so blah 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 yeah Um, yeah. and i was thinking maybe it was ground link who has this sheikah slate sky link is this like corrupted arm thing and that's why they were you know link versus ganon uh, but I don't think that, I mean, it looks, I don't know. I took another look at the trailer and it seems like I mean, like I've seen all the speculation around the that through. and it just it just seems like they're using the old Breath of the Wild look for the old Breath of the Wild gameplay, like the, the stuff that's really, very clearly a direct right. evolution from that and they're using the Skylink to symbolize this new gameplay that they're showing. Like, I don't think it right. means anything more than that. Yeah. What we really need is for Onuma to come out and said, I never said that was Link in the trailer. <laughs> 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 yeah, right what a troll (laughs) do you think there's anything to um the fact that we haven't heard the name of the game yet i mean besides the fact that they just don't have one (laughs) yeah i mean i I imagine it's whether it's going to be tied to some important uh gameplay function or story function i don't think they're lying because i mean they've you know they typically haven't been too hesitant about dropping the zelda titles um mm-hmm. but you know if it's holiday 2022 this thing could still be a year and a half off so it's possible they just don't have a name but yeah i'm, I'm of the opinion that there's going to be some kind of story or relevant gameplay teaser hidden in there more so than breath of the wild yeah i mean i'm hoping it's that's not true because one of the reasons i really liked the subtitle breath of the wild was it didn't really reveal a lot like about the gameplay it was really more mm-hmm. just about the theme of the game mm-hmm. yeah uh, and zelda has a very strong like theme sort of game for me uh, i care more about the themes than i do about the gameplay gimmicks personally uh so like i don't want them to go back to the old thing where like oh we're gonna name drop an item or we're gonna name drop a gameplay mechanic or name drop a character or something like i want it to be the legend of zelda the ganon dies <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. like yeah i don't if your title the title of your game reveals a spoiler that's i don't know it's a little little uh, on the nose i guess 
Legend of Zelda, stop talking about the Zonai already. <laughs> they, yeah, they've kind I... of become the Go new ahead. Sheikah, where it's like, we know so little about them that we just blame everything on them. Well, so I'm, I was it's, wondering it's, what you think of the role of the Sheikah of this point, because I, I, I'm wondering if maybe they were the interlopers, if maybe they have so, something to do with this, so like Colin. really, really far back. Yeah, what's up? So it's funny that you bring that up because I was do I was reading through the Creating a Champion book right before we got on this podcast. Oh, and uh, when you mentioned the interlopers, uh, that there's one detail about the Zonai that sticks out to me that reminds me of the interlopers, and that is that they were a race of magic wielders that disappeared mm-hmm. suddenly from the world, <laughs> which sounds really familiar <gasps> to me uh, uh, if you think about the interlopers and Twilight uh-huh. Princess. So I'm thinking that's one about thing. the interlopers. The second thing that I forgot. Uh, that the book points out is on the on the big tapestry on the back of the big tapestry on the bottom underneath the the diagram of all the guardians you see the mm-hmm. king of hyrule on the left hand side and you see a bunch of sheikah and yiga on the other side and the creating a, a champion book says that this event uh the the event that's being depicted here is the king of hyrule banishing the sheikah because he feared that their magic and technology would be a threat to him. So he does, does this after the, the calamity is, is sealed. And that's uh, why they're living in uh, in Kakariko instead yes. of, you know, like in, in Hyrule Town. Yes, Kakariko is sort of like a sanctuary that they found hidden in the mountains. Wait, so does this imply that the calamity happened way before all the other stuff in the Zelda timeline? Not necessarily. Well, it, it's interesting the that maybe it, came it back. sounds that way because as we know from other games like the Sheikah were in exile they did have a troubled history with the royal family and, and so this would not be the first time we've heard about something like this but uh looking at the history as laid out in creating a champion like ganon appears long before uh the the events of ten thousand years ago where the divine beasts were were used to help seal ganon so either they've sort of mixed up the history a little bit and they're no longer thinking that the Sheikah's beef with the royal family is long long before the divine beast event or this is just a recurring drama that happens between the sheikah and the royal family <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i do think it's possible somehow the sheikah like came back in between you know the end of a, all the other zelda games we've seen to this point and made all this technology and then can this, that was one of the things that actually up? really surprised do you hear any me? of this i'm furious on over here no it's because cleaning. It decided to clean itself. What does that mean? No, stop it. I don't hear, <laughs> it's I don't hear it. I just hear you. Uh, it's it's what Sorry, what were you it's saying? It's funny that you bring that up because uh, I thought it was really weird that the Sheikah suddenly had a big role in Breath of the Wild, given that they were supposed to have like mostly disappeared and died out yeah. in Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess. So uh, I thought that ancient technology was like in Breath of the Wild, they discovered this stuff that was so many many years old and even still like, the, like even remnants older than of the of time right 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 yeah. right and yeah, yeah, yeah. they I mean, didn't really I've, know what I to do with it i thought that that was going to be how it would go at first until i actually played, played breath of the wild and then they're talking about how that technology was used to seal ganon and i was like wait a minute didn't ganon like appear for the first time in ocarina of time how does that even work uh i mean i think ganondorf does we don't know well, yeah, that, I like, mean, that, that Ganon, is, even Ganondorf is. becoming Ganon, we don't know that they could just this one day say, hey, here's a game before Ocarina of Time. 
Um, well, I mean, if we look at Ganon as like an incarnation of demise and his malice, like, of course, that could have existed before Ganondorf in Ocarina of Time. Right. But even then, like a version of Ganon, like if Ganondorf is a king of the Gerudo who himself is reincarnated all these many times, like, yeah, wouldn't that chain necessarily extend from before he became yeah. Demise? Like, Demise must have corrupted that at some point, which is kind of where I came to the conclusion that I now don't agree with. But that uh, <laughs> this was like Gan. This was the hero of power that we're playing as, who becomes Ganon and is corrupted and has to be saved by Link on the ground, heading up to the well, sacred realm. Yeah, you know, I don't know how this could relate to either like Ocarina or Twilight Princess or anything. But when it comes to just like the sort of timeline of events of Breath of the Wild, it's a little unclear. But I think like the you know the Ganon locked under Hyrule Castle. I think he's actually been there for a lot more than 10,000 years because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they seem to know that the calamity happens every 10,000 years. And so he's probably been down there for hundreds of thousands of years because it's it's this known cycle. So, like, the Sheikah dug up this old tech 10,000 years ago, but that doesn't mean it has to be Ocarina or Twilight Princess old. It could just mean it's, you know, calamity old. It's yeah. just, you know, this 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 right. undefined period at the end of the timeline where the calamity happens every 10,000 years. Right. Yeah. It, it's just a weird quirk of how they set up this timeline where the ancient technology, which in a lot of fantasy is like the oldest thing that could exist in this world, isn't actually the oldest thing that exists in this world. <laughs> it's that newer than everything else. It's newer right. than a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then also we're like very, 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 very far into the future still yeah because i mean i guess we're more than ten thousand years that's just the cycle that this is recurring at could be fifty thousand years could be a hundred thousand years and that way it definitely yeah i get why you're saying it's a soft reboot they just don't even care about the rest of it had they established that it was this ten thousand year cycle or was it just ten thousand years ago that that wasn't familiar to me but i think that's the case but i i'd have to like dig up quotes i saw recently like someone this I don't think was in game. I think this was creating a champion, but it, uh-huh. it was uh, it was the um, the section on the Deku tree, and it talked about how the Deku tree has experienced many incarnations of Calamity Ganon, okay. and that could just be shorthand for Ganon period. And this just That's like what I all the old Ganons are known as the Calamity now because it's all faded into myth. It's hard to say, really. Be nice if we had okay. more of this lore in the games themselves, so we didn't <laughs> have to try to piece it together from books. Yeah, no, that's kidding. what's fun about it. Right? I mean, then we wouldn't have the content. It'd be nice if they wanted us to speculate and they just didn't put it in books. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I miss those or, days. I miss those or days they put when the it timeline in was unknown to us. In the game, you know, like find books in the game. That give, and like they don't even have <laughs> Yeah, you go consistent. to a literal library. You know, it, Yeah, it's well, like, I mean, it's we, like a, we get these little snippets of lore where you like I find the stone tablets in Zora's domain, but then that's like it. That's that's all they they did. They did. They couldn't have done that all over the world, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You like you know finding some you know like a diary of an ancient Sheikah talking about a past calamity or something like you know mm-hmm. little little stuff like that would be cool. Where it's you know it's not necessarily given to you in this big expositional cutscene. It's just something you can stumble on in the overworld. Yeah, like an ancient and it doesn't necessarily Sheikah point him. to a side quest. It's just number flavor. six, maybe the oldest in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I think that kind of stuff would be cool. That kind of like 
extraneous lore decoration. I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of wondering at this point, and I know it's like a total diversion, so I, that's why I'm like hesitant to ask, but I, I kind of really want a big open world total reimagining remake of Ocarina of Time in this like Breath of the Wild like iteration of the franchise. And I'm curious, like, what kind of changes that you would make to Ocarina of Time being sort of the origin story of Ganon and Ganondorf, at least in, in the way we currently understand it. I am so conflicted In order to recontextualize question. it, like, stronger as that point in the, the overarching story. Sure. I'm, I'm very conflicted by this question. I've thought about it a lot because Ocarina of Time is a game that is starting to get a little long, long in the tooth. It's very much like a, a very primitive sort of 3D game. Hey. A lot of people who play it nowadays are aware of that, and even no. replaying it now, like I'm aware of that. Uh, but at the same time, like there's something pure about it being this like short, no, you know, no fat on its bones experience, mm-hmm. uh, where it, and it the story's about the size of I would I would describe it as like a fairy tale versus versus the epics mm. that we get from big open world games now. Yeah, and I I like that about it, and I don't want to lose that from it. But at the same time, like I do see that that its age is showing and its ambition is no longer really like tangible to people who play i feel like once upon a time in a way that others in its shadow were trying to precisely live up to that that they were in its shadow uh it is kind of like a big almost epic zelda tale that that deserves as you put it that that was a great word choice and the ambition that it had to be fully realized um and I, I think it'd be possible it to keep N64 the story virtual console would be like satisfying. Yeah. I think it'd be possible to keep the story largely similar. Like you don't, you can add some texture to it, but the story beats don't have to change in other words. Uh, right. I mean, and I, just fill in the interstitial stuff between those story moments with something that's more along the lines of breath of the wild. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking even just like strip out all the way the dungeons worked completely before, maybe keep their items and like the basic premise of like the way that they quote work, you know, like the burning the web in the Deku tree to get underground or the the fact that you adjust the water levels in the water temple, but like completely blow them out into being like big, big, big dungeons that you spend a lot of time in and you can warp in and out and go back to the world and do some side quests and um you know maybe leave like a magic spot in there um like i i think it would take a lot of reimagining from the ground yeah and that's sort of the tough thing because like a lot of people and this is a valid complaint i I have with breath of the wild too think that like they spread their content a little bit too thin across that game because you don't have a ton of enemies definitely all over the world it's the same you know four basic enemy types Mm -hmm. but you love the goblin (laughs) <laughs> i do love the goblins no i hate the goblins well now uh, that they have giant horns i know yeah that uh that bothered <laughs> aren't me you so excited too. to fight them all again it's just like oh yeah it's that enemy but like with some more embellishment on it great i i was uh reminded of your legendary hatred for the goblins recently because uh, a, a facebook memory popped up from <laughs> when uh, i interviewed ishionuma and i think 2014 maybe okay. it was whenever mm-hmm. hyrule warriors was about to come out yep and uh he asked uh he he asked us like with shock and surprise in his voice like you like tingle we thought americans hated tingle uh <laughs> and so i made a a status about this on facebook and 
Alexi replied and, and said, you should have told him, we love Tingle, we hate the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you tell him to include now? Oh, As a man. character? Unanimously, <laughs> Groose, right? Right? Groose. Groose. Absolutely, yeah. Groose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if it's, you know, some kind of, like, you know, spin-off, you know, fun time Zelda thing, then absolutely, yeah. I don't know if Groose needs to be a, a recurring character like Pingle, but in, in like, you know, story-driven <laughs> yeah, Zeldas. What about, uh, that, what about in terms of, like, let's say you, you, you had another interview with Eiji Onuma in which you had the influence to say Americans like Tingle, therefore <laughs> I am manifesting his inclusion as DLC in this game. Thank you, Eiji Onuma, for listening. Um... <laughs> What would you do to the Zelda series if you had that influence to just oh, make man. anything you wanted to happen? I've got the magic wand, huh? Yeah. Well, the magic um, interview. It's going to be fun you know, in the process. You know, For years, I wanted a sort of zero mission style remake of the original Zelda. But, you know, Breath of the Wild, like I said, it kind of, you know, goes goes back to that original Zelda idea just in 3D instead of 2D. Mm. So maybe, maybe what I want is a full fleshed out metroidvania zelda 2 Ooh, i like it me too yeah i mean miyamoto said over the years like they kept trying to revisit that idea which is funny because a lot of people think that he like doesn't look very fondly on that game but he was trying to like tap that well again a bunch of times throughout throughout his history at nintendo yeah i mean there's you know there's a lot of good basic gameplay elements there it's just a really frustrating experience at times and you know the the genre of you know the the 2D side-scrolling, you know, sprawling dungeon, like it's it's so evolved, and you know, with with Metroidvanias, right. and also you know, with uh, with uh, like the 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 roguelike genre. As much as I hate it, like you know, <laughs> people have really evolved that genre a lot in the you know a million years since Zelda 2 came out. Definitely, so they could do some really cool things. And revisiting that that huge vast Hyrule, where it's like the entire Zelda one map is like five percent of the Zelda two map, tucked in the bottom left-hand corner. Like, you know, it'd be really cool to, to revisit this this broader Hyrule that they established Definitely. once in, like, 1987 and then never returned to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was thinking about, like, let's say, hypothetically, they wanted to pull a cadence of Hyrule and farm this to some kind of indie studio um, mm -hmm. to remake Zelda 2. And so many are coming to mind. I mean, I've already mentioned Spelunky and SteamWorld. The guys behind any either of those games would be great for it i mean way forward who's already working yeah. on advance wars uh yacht club and shantae you know awesome. yeah, really Sh yeah of course um yeah yeah and like there's honestly just any number of indie studios like were inspired specifically by that era and would be a fantastic shepherd for a new take on zelda 2 that's a great idea yeah. thank you you're welcome. <laughs> I, I look forward to it coming true now that it's been said on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're still waiting on Mother 3, I guess. That's, uh, <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it all as a whole in that that's a joke and we know Mother 3 is never happening and that's a part of the prophecy. So we can look <laughs> forward to this Zelda 2 safely with no doubts. <laughs> um, Ben. Who do you want Holland? to see in Smash Bros? Oh god. We have um, one character left. Yeah, I mean it's not gonna be who I want. It's gonna be like 
someone from some JRPG or something. Um, but <laughs> it's gonna be the Danganronpa uh, bear. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be just Monica from Doki Doki Literature Club. It's gonna uh, be no. Monita from Nintendo Land. <laughs> or any any number of characters from Metopia. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like most of the ideas I'm coming I'm coming up with is is like kind of. Um, new takes on older characters just because I've loved this idea of like okay we've you know we've gone everywhere we can with Smash and everyone's here yeah so the next Smash should just you know blow everything up and you know start over with new takes like Paper Mario and Dread version Samus and you know stuff mm-hmm. like that oh or you know Breath of the Wild Link that is actually Breath of the Wild Link instead of just you know slightly tweaking right. new moves but if we're if we're talking about you know what we currently have to work with the Smash Ultimate everybody's here um. I don't know. I I mean, I guess my my heart is with the knight from Hollow Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's the best choice, but I would play the heck out of that. I think you're I, denying I, your I feelings. Want, I want so badly. You want Rabbit Peach? An, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe want, a couple of years ago. I want so badly for there to be an indie rep that's actually a playable character. So Frisk. I'm, like, I'm, I'm with you on that could be i mean it can't be shovel knight because he's already against his trophy so that's yeah and sucks. i think shovel knight was probably the best chance we had at that you know with the amiibo and everything unfortunately so yeah. i mean know, just didn't possibly out. an undertale character could also yeah, be a shot i was gonna say because ben, that's so popular in japan we mm-hmm. recently kind of like realized sans could be almost like a fake out that sans is the me costume representative but then Frisk, the protagonist, actually comes into Smash with, like, a new crazy sort of, like, mercy items, whatever mechanic. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Uh, yeah which be would be cool. in line and with it, how they want to make all the DLC, like, weirdos. <laughs> it's also possible they could draw from uh, Deltarune, just because, like, yeah. uh, they kind of hinted that Chapter 2 was going to come out soon. See, originally it was like, we're just doing Chapter 1, and then after that you get nothing until the full game is made. But then in like November or December, or, or December, they did a big update where they're like, hey, chapter two is almost done. We're in the process of uh, localizing and bug testing for release. Like, you what? Hmm. So I, I, we might be getting more Deltarune this year. Was maybe? it Deltarune that was like, oh, you're in Super Smashing Brothers? Uh, or was that I, an Undertale sure. thing? I don't think so. I don't remember that reference. Uh, it, it's a, possible. A, I'm Toriel. just forgetting it. I mean, maybe it's a fake. I don't know. Um... It's been a couple of years since I've, uh, since I've played okay. through. Okay, so you so. say that's, like, separate from what you want. What do you want? What do you want, want? Oh, no, no, Lady, I said Resident the night is what I want, want. I said that's where my heart is. I just don't think it's particularly oh, I got realistic. You. Yeah, got you. They're like, yeah, I mean, Hollow Knight is, you know, right now it's, like, to me it's the indie rep that I would want. Um, you know, obviously I love Axiom Verge as well, but with, the you know, the moving to a new protagonist in the second one, I think, uh, well, I guess... Now that I think about Holiday, it's moving to a new protagonist, too. So never yeah, mind. Let's go ahead put, and... You could just put Hornet in, and then you're, you're covering both games. Exactly. I was yeah. just going to say Hornet for Smash. I'm, I'm 100% yeah. in on Hornet now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she, she, she has more movement options than the knight anyway, and she's taller. Tall girl. <laughs> also girl, girl, you know. <laughs> yeah. Although, I don't know. Not the knight has no gender. Rabbit yeah, Peach. genderless. Yeah, well, no, but Rabid Peach is uh, obsolete now. It's all about Rabid Rosalina. <laughs> well, yeah. and Rabid um, Lincoln Park. Right? Yeah, right. Who is that? 
that guy. sword guy. Is it Bowser? Yeah, something weird. It's weird. I don't like I this I saw game. someone make a... I saw someone call him Rabbit Cloud from Final Fantasy Yeah, so. it seems like it. <laughs> um... So you don't what what do you think the chances are that Sora is the final DLC is like the big blowout surprise? God, that'd be a licensing nightmare, so I just don't see it ever happening. Although no? I think that would be like a natural. Do you fit think that's just like a self fulfilling like narrative, like a kind of thing like, oh Earthbound's not localized because of Chuck Berry? Well I mean like, if Banjo could the, get in Right? You know, right? it's possible, I guess. I don't see why it Disney would be like no. We don't want anything to we do with Super money. Smash Brothers. Like, what the... Who... What? Oh, after the ending of Kingdom Hearts 3, the secret ending, where they're basically like, oh, Nomura's gonna remake versus Final Fantasy 13, but with Kingdom Hearts characters, like, sure, they'll they'll let them do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> Nomura gets what Nomura wants, even if it's <laughs> that's, chaos. That's right. That's right. Part of me thinks that, like, all of these leaks, you know, like, that the internet is, like, all fired up about all the time... Uh, I don't know if any listeners like I don't know YouTube and like uh, just everywhere has always got these like clickbait you know like Smash Bros leaks and stuff. Like, Ryu Hayabusa's coming into Smash Brothers and stuff like that. Um, I I, I kind of feel like it's all manufactured intentionally from Nintendo so that we think, for example, Sora's a licensing nightmare, and everyone really early on is like, oh no, they're all saying Sora's a licensing nightmare. It's not gonna happen. And then it's the final uh, character. It's, it's funny because, like, I know controlled fake leaks are a thing, but uh, it's just hard for me to imagine Nintendo doing it on a large scale just because of how the company culture is there. Yeah, But it's not Nintendo, it's Sora Limited. Sakurai's oh, well, licensing I mean, Nintendo characters. I mean, I guess that's possible, yeah. And Bandai I'd Namco. I'd be more inclined to buy into the possibility if Nintendo had shown... Or if Square Enix, I guess, had shown Nintendo any love with the Kingdom Hearts series recently, you know? But yeah. I guess there's the, the, the melody game, the rhythm game. Well, yeah, whatever, I mean, I think Kingdom like... Hearts 3 is probably just, like, too difficult to get onto Switch. And, and, and would be a great excuse to promote Sora coming to the final release of Super Smash Bros. DLC right around the same time as that mwah, Nintendo Switch Pro. It's just it's it's just weird to me that we never got like the Kingdom Hearts like 1.5 or 2.5 collection or anything yeah, like fair that enough. on Switch. Like if we were if we were getting Sora love, I feel like we would have gotten that. But I mean, I, I'm with you could, on the Switch Pro hype. Though. I, I I was feeling that way at first, but then I saw how they treated that franchise on Xbox and PC, where they just kind of dropped everything at once, and that's probably what they want to do with Switch as well. Fair enough. Hmm? Um, taking their sweet time. <laughs> a part of me really wants. I know I own this game and paid for all the DLC, but I'm like a physical collector snob, and part of me really wants them to put out a version of this game with all the DLC on cart, mm. and I would totally buy it. Unless they made yeah. me pay the amount that the DLC costs again just to buy it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that could happen in a couple of years. It would be closer to the end of this, which is life, though. It's like, you know, when they're releasing like the Platinum Hits, but then it's the Smash Bros. and it deluxe edition and it's the platinum hits border but it's yeah. still 60 dollars it is and it's in a lot of ways hard to imagine them doing something like that for smash brothers just because of the the licensing nightmare uh for the dlc characters i would uh, i do i, I would I be surprised if they, they didn't put it. some sort of like hey we might release a definitive v- version of this at the end of the life cycle you know yeah. 
I I I'm pondering this idea, and I think it's unlikely, but I think it might actually be possible for them to release DLC complete versions for other games, like Breath of the Wild, for example, around the time that Switch Pro comes out. Hmm. Uh, just to kind of get those late adopters in, uh, the ones that sure. really were were just waiting for the the Switch Pro type experience. Well, you know that but could be Smash a great Bros. time for them it's to just announce. Too much money on the table, I think. No, sure. Yeah. But maybe, maybe that's the next project that's decided for them is they take a year, make like an echo pack, two or three new fighters, and that's their definitive edition. Everyone has Let to upgrade Sakurai to get a couple new characters on the pro. He's not, he, you know, he doesn't have to make the echo fighters. Bandai Namco knows <laughs> what they're doing. They let him sleep, I think. I think. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's all very (laughs) hypothetical conjecture and probably not realistic at all. Um, what do you think is happening with the Super Nintendo Switch, Ben? Just, they're holding it off so they can make an announcement and drive the news once again in the fall? Yeah, I mean, like, typically Nintendo, uh, announces new hardware, like, within two to three months of launching it. At least, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the recently that's been the trend so um you know i i don't know for sure when this thing's going to launch i've heard maybe september october the most the, the closest thing to a concrete report i've seen other than just rumors and whispers from indie, industry insiders is uh back in march there was the ceo of a like some kind of like production supply chain company and he basically said like yeah nintendo has a standing order for half a million seven-inch screens per month to go into production in June and launch in October. Um, so, you know, that was March, and who knows if plans have changed since then. Um, obviously, E3 came and went with no big reveal, but that's not terribly surprising. You know, they let us know ahead right. of time there wasn't going to be any hardware. So I hope it's soon. I want confirmation that this thing exists. Um, I want to start budgeting for it. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to know that, you know, it, hopefully it's, you know, in time for Metroid Dread to look nice and pretty on it. I was going to say. Definitely, uh, like a Legends Arceus next year. Uh, or Arceus, I should say. I got to get Do used you think to that's going to look good directly. anyway? Genuine question. Uh, I don't mean to be mean. Yeah, we've we've seen so little of it. And what we saw was not running at a stable frame rate. Like, I thought the art style was fine but it's a relatively empty world and it wasn't running a stable yeah. frame rate so and it's like i'm excited for open world pokemon but also game freak never does more than a half step like this isn't <laughs> yeah. going to be breath of the pokemon this is going to be a half step up from what we saw in like the dlc which was a half step up from the wild area in the base game of sword and shield so we're trying yeah. to get the right direction but i'm not expecting this game to blow my mind like i've seen some people that are like Oh, who cares about Diamond and Pearl? It's all Legends Arceus. Like, I care about Diamond and Pearl. Those games look great. I wanna, <laughs> At I wanna least we know right those now. games are good. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, do I think we it's, know the core gameplay. So. It's very suspicious that there's a uh, giant hole of new releases in August, which seems like a good time to drop some news if they wanted to. Mm. Uh, mm. Also, conveniently, about a month and a half before October starts, you know? Mm-hmm uh so that that's something i'm thinking about as we head into the second half of the year for switch pro or super switch or switch sp dx um <laughs> uh 
also, yeah, I'm, I find it funny that they announced release dates for those new Pokemon games, but didn't show us any new footage of them when they did. Yeah. Yeah. Which tells me but that January these seems are, so uh, early. I mean, it does and it doesn't. This, I, I feel like they were probably shooting for November, but just couldn't make it. And so they didn't want to delay it too long because they wanted to get it in before the end of the fiscal year. Yeah, they, they said Q1 from the start, and so I was assuming March. Um, and they said January, and I was like, oh, okay, that's Yeah, no, I know me early, too. But, but it's, well, it's the, not the like th- such a big deal. The other interesting thing about that is March is often a slot Nintendo saves for really big games. So if they're not launching the Pokemon game in March, that implies that something bigger is probably coming in March. <laughs> bigger than maybe Pokemon. Maybe Splatoon? I don't, know, Splatoon? I don't know how far away Splatoon is. Zelda, yet. maybe? A new Mario game I don't that think, we haven't they seen They said yet. they're aiming for 2022 with Zelda. I don't think it's... We, I mean, like we'd I've, be lucky I've, if it's I, 2022. I've thought that too, but I remember there was a, a little while before Switch launched that there were rumors that Breath of the Wild was not going to make launch. Yeah, and specifically they were saying there was problems with like uh, the European localization. <laughs> like yeah. maybe it was going to get delayed in Europe and launch in time <laughs> in Japan and America. And These like, Brits yeah, and their consonants. <laughs> it's taking so i mean i think they're being years. i think they're being cagey with about the release date i'm like they're not revealing their hand about the release date on purpose but i don't know that that necessarily tells us when it's gonna come out yeah 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 I, i'm anticipating late 2022 but <laughs> we're aiming 2022 and it comes out surprised this august with the switch pro <laughs> <laughs> hey we're done we lied <laughs> that'd be awesome Good that would be great for me that's uh, not happening um I I I kind of think that this final smash DLC though to go back to that uh topic is going to be Rayman. No, yeah, bring of, like, it all back the around. Rabid costumes. I feel like yeah. if it's not a completely off the wall pick or like a really solid requested Nintendo rep, it's a bad note to end on. I do too though. And I I, I like don't think Rayman, Rayman is the right but finale. I don't think he's that. But, but here's the thing. Okay, so I don't know, uh, Alex. I know we've talked about this briefly. Ben, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's sort of a the URL series on the Smash Bros. DLC uh, website. Basically, points to something in between the final character and the like bonus for getting the pack. So there's some sort of bonus that they're gonna announce at the end. It seems could okay. be some, you know, the stages to complete the list could mm-hmm. be. Like a new game type. Yeah, it could be like three Echo Fighters or maybe Nintendo, Ah. who Sakurai said, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But point like a bonus fighter who doesn't have a state. It's a Nintendo representative who doesn't have a stage or music to go with them. um, But does have like a bonus, just like, yeah, Bacoblin. (laughs) Just like Piranha Plant, basically, a mirror to end the whole thing. Uh, Waluigi, yeah, wah, Toad, Paper Mario all kind of fit the bill. And I think could, like, let's say hy- hypothetically Rayman was the final character, and then they were like, Waluigi breaks free. No sure. one would care that Rayman was the end. Waluigi's the end, yeah. and that's a Waluigi's great finale. Yeah, I like your You remember when <laughs> the, the phrase was, everybody is here, and then literally websites were reporting except Waluigi. <laughs> like, no way <laughs> Nintendo didn't that. hear that. Yeah. Um, that's a possibility. I don't want to get everyone's hopes up, but Aonuma's off there somewhere, going. Americans like Waluigi. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tingle. 
<laughs> yeah, it could be maybe it is Tingle. Um, um, Eggman would be cool too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. especially with the hype of the movie and everything. Yeah, it's, getting, uh, it's Jim Carrey's Eggman. <laughs> but no, I think uh, we we don't have like a mech character, and it would be cool to have Eggman in like a, one of those flying mechs. We also don't have a hovering character. People talk about like King Boo or something, uh, which I do think could be really cool, but. Uh, if if like you can't hit Eggman with like a down tilt because he's in like a flying bean machine, that would be pretty mm-hmm. neat. We get a heavy clown car character, you know, who also flies. Yeah, Eggman's got you know plenty of options too for you know gadgets and stuff yeah. that he could pull out. Yeah. Um. But of course, Gru should be loose. We all know it. <laughs> Maddie wasn't at least an assist trophy, you know. Yeah, right. Something like that. Yeah, maybe Catapult maybe we're scared with Star Destroyer. Uh, uh, stage hazard on Skyloft, throwing the bombs at you. Come on, the gruesome. Yeah. yeah, it was it was right there, right there. <laughs> well, that's I mean that's that's everything I thought to talk about. Does anyone? If anyone wants to circle back to things we've pointed to, I'm happy to. Um. But I I don't know where else to steer. Yeah, I think I'm you know pretty much uh, pretty much good. We hit on all the major Alrighty. exciting things for yeah. free for me. So we got a good meaty ninety out of this. Yeah, love it, dude. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah it's great catching up with you guys. Yeah, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll be around. I'll cut the recording. Okay, Bye, I'll go ahead. And cut that thing. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Cheers, everyone. Later's. Well, everybody, that is all for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like our show, please feel free to subscribe and give us a quick positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen. It is a small act of support that really helps people find our show. It's good for them. It's good for us. It's good for you guys to see our community grow. It really helps us out. If you are an epic gamist and you have an epic game question or you got reactions to what we said or fun Nintendo stories you want to share, please send it to epicgamist at gmail.com. And you can follow Epic Gamist on Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, all kinds of different places for different kinds of stuff. Pick your favorite platforms. If you are listening right now, if you can hear me, we know that you stuck with us. We know you're hardcore. And again, we are just getting restarted here. So much so that those accounts I mentioned don't actually have any posts or profile pictures or anything. (laughs) So you're not in the wrong place. But the goal, ultimately, is to have fun waiting for you on any app you choose all powered by a charity driven patreon so that gamers can give back while supporting all kinds of fun content made just for you literally just for you because of the patreon requests so every listen like retweet share every follow on those accounts whatever way that you want to support us even for free still fuels the same good goal so we are really counting on you mario party top 452 of you to help us raise awareness and spread the word and get more gamers giving back for fun when it's up we'll tell you Nintendo Week is brought to you by our hosts, Alex Plant, tweet at Legend of Lex, Lee Albanese, tweet at Enalanes, that's E-N-A-L-A-N-E-S, Jackson Murphy, tweet at Cheaper by 12 Film, and Dark Alex, tweet into the abyss and destroy yourself. Myself, tweet at Colin McIsaac, that's C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. 
Nintendo Week is a fan show. We are not affiliated with or operated by Nintendo, and we do not represent the brand in any way. All opinions expressed are our very own, and all games played are purchased, not provided, unless otherwise stated.